Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, here to break down the Oakland A's system with you today. And to do that, we're pleased to be joined by Emily Walden. Emily took care of the A's Top 30 Prospects Chapter for us at Baseball America here this year. Emily, the A's are in a really good place. Back-to-back postseason appearances, albeit they lost in the wildcard game each year. A familiar story for A's fans. The A's have not gotten past the first round of the postseason since 2006. Overall, though, this is a team that's battled, obviously, a stadium situation that isn't ideal, a low budget, but they've put together two back-to-back 97-win seasons and a farm system that has some potential stars coming up at the top. When you look at the A's kind of big picture, big league team, farm system, what's the outlook and how long can they sustain this? Because we've seen in the past they've been able to sustain it for three or four years, but it's been tough to go much longer than that. Yeah, I think there's definitely some room for... Um, I guess you could say elongated optimism with the groups that they have collected. I spoke with uh, Billy Owens about this a little bit, and he said, you know, there's there's reasons to be excited. And he goes, I know you expect me to say that in my position, but he said, I, I want the fans to be aware of the fact that we've got some guys that you can genuinely get behind, that you can genuinely be excited about. And I think a lot of it is credited to the athleticism of a lot of their top guys. I think they've presented a really good mix of ingredients for the development staff to work with. And I think when you've got those tools accessible, it's just a matter of putting the right pieces into place to help pull out the most value from these these youngsters. They've got a mix of pitching. They've got a mix of position players. And some of them are still obviously in a little bit of a raw phase. But if they can keep this development trend going, and really they've got to stay healthy, that's another big key. But I think they're definitely trending in a really promising direction, and we'll see how they're able to maintain that moving forward. Yeah, one thing that's encouraging about the A's, and you look at the success they've had, they've had success grooming homegrown players, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman being the main guy. They've done well finding guys who had made their major league debuts but getting them to another level. They did that with Marcus Semien and Chris Davis. Guys like Ramon Laureano, Frankie Montaz, who they picked up in trades when they were minor leaguers. They've kind of been able to accumulate talent a number of different ways. I feel like there's a lot of reason for optimism that you know the A's can do this. Uh, like I said, they've, they've homegrown guys. They've acquired big leaguers in trades. They've acquired prospects in trades. And they've been able to make them all work. I feel like that's reason for optimism that a lot of these prospects they'll be able to get the most from them as opposed to maybe some other organizations. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think kind of going back to what I said before, a lot of this is going to fall on their development staff. Um, You're really going to have to pinpoint where these guys' strengths and weaknesses are and be able to work through some of the growing pains that are going to come along with some of this development and just be able to keep that momentum moving forward because you've got so much value, especially in these young pitchers, You've got to keep them sharp. You've got to keep them healthy. And it's really just a case of one foot in front of the other, forward momentum, and just make sure they don't start spinning their wheels. 
With that, the top two pitchers in this system are two lefties, Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck. And you mentioned health. Lazardo had Tommy John surgery in high school, missed a lot of last year with injury as well. AJ Puck returned from Tommy John surgery last year. Both made their major league debuts last year out of the bullpen. Looked great. Upper 90s fastballs, each with a devastating secondary. Lazardo with his changeup and Puck with his slider. How much debate was there between these guys for number one and number two in the system? And overall, what's the expectation of what they can give the A's this year? Because they're going to need them this year if they want to go win 95 to 100 games again. Absolutely. And it really was a little bit of a struggle. I know you and I kind of bounced some ideas back and forth about it. But it's a great sign if you're an A's fan to know that there are multiple options to consider up top. And I think at the end of it, Lizardo just came away with more of a bite to his pitch mix. I think having that velocity from the left side that he showed, um, he's been able to show a really promising trend health-wise. And if you can get both he and Puck in a good place and you know having their bodies act the way they should, keeping that health intact, those are two very dangerous arms that people are going to enjoy watching moving forward. How much confidence was there from evaluators, both inside and outside the system, that these guys would be able to start just from a durability perspective, they both have the arsenals to do it. Puck, there's been some command issues dating back to his college days, but the expectation is he throws enough strikes to start. But just from that health and durability standpoint, how much confidence is there? Um, the, the vibe that I got from the evaluators I spoke with, there seems to be just a slight bit more confidence in Lizardo over Puck. Not to say that Puck is a red flag or has any warnings really you know to speak of they just feel like they've seen a bit more from Lazardo thus far um a few of the ones that I spoke to said you know I'm still optimistic about AJ but he's he's just got to show me a little bit more for me to trust that he's going to be able to hold on long term so I think for a lot of these more veteran scouts the evaluators who have been around it's more of a show me and then I'll be able to stand behind you but I think there's plenty of faith in both um, seeing what Jesus has been able to do so far, I think has given him just a slight edge in scout size. Just to peel back the curtain here for listeners at Baseball America, this is a very collaborative process. Uh, Emily turns in a top 10. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of discussion, a lot of moving pieces. And one of the earlier iterations, some iterations of the list, I should say, based on pure scout feedback, actually had Sean Murphy at number two ahead of A.J. Puck, which again was not a knock on Puck, but a testament to Murphy and how good evaluators think he could be. What were the evaluations you were getting back on him? He's long been a favorite of mine. I remember coming back from the Cal League All-Star game in 2017 to the office and being like, guys, Sean Murphy's real. He can hit. He can defend. There's something real here, and, and he's really shown that as long as he's been healthy. Yeah, I think it really stems from the fact that he's a pretty well-rounded guy. Um, Scouts were very, very optimistic about his growth um, as someone behind the plate. They saw improvement in his blocking and framing. Um, It's all gotten pretty much plus grades across the board. And then you've also got a guy who projects to to look at, you know, about 20-plus home runs as far as power goes. So the fact that you're seeing so much right away, from him obviously his arm is really his strong point but when you've got that 20 plus home run power you have his maturity behind the plate you've got that cannon behind the plate it shows that there's enough on both sides of the ball to really grow more and to bring more of a balance too but he's he's putting some stuff to be excited about and i know scouts are really looking forward to see how that all comes together all three of these guys will play big roles for the A's this year. Murphy's the front runner to be the starting catcher. He got the bulk of the starts down the stretch last September. Lazardo and Puck have passed to the rotation with some free agency departures. So it'll be really interesting to see how these three players are able to
to impact the A's this year. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if all three of them are getting some Rookie of the Year votes by the time the year is out. After these three, things got very, very interesting. Again, this was the clear-cut top three. Four to ten, it felt like you could scramble these names eight different ways and have someone say, yeah, that's about right. It was really, really kind of an ever-evolving process. What was it like for you and just... There's so many guys that are so different, so many different levels, so many different skill sets. How difficult was it to stack this up? It's it's tricky, and I know I can probably speak for you and the rest of the Baseball America staff, where depending on your organization, you have a certain block of names that are pretty much a lock, and then you look afterwards, and it really is kind of a scramble, which... In a way, it, it speaks in a positive light, in my opinion, because you've got multiple guys who could slot into those positions. So really, I think it comes down to a matter of what type of skills are they bringing to the table? How are they contributing? How do they slot in at the major league roster, depending on how far out they are? And it really shows you the level or the degree of diversity that these organizations have. And it, it definitely was tricky. I would say that I, I really appreciated the collaborative side that you mentioned, just getting to brainstorm on some guys maybe I didn't have as much depth of knowledge about and getting to pull some of those observations really helps build the total package. And it was a lot of fun to put together. Dalton Jeffries is someone that really just kept raising his stock throughout the year. He was a very highly regarded right-hander at a Cal nearby Oakland and had Tommy John surgery, came back last year and really showed some impressive stuff. Uh, it was 92-95, uh, showed a really, really promising changeup and most incredible was his control. Overall in the season, 93 strikeouts to 9 walks in 79 innings. Emily, what kind of pitcher are the A's looking at in Dalton Jeffries and ultimately what put him at number four in the system when there were a lot of options? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. His control was just second to none. He had point, point 0.9 walks per nine in double A, and you look at that and go, that's over 64 innings. That is not something you see from a lot of guys. And if you factor in his his health track record and the fact that he held it together that well is really impressive. Um, the, the front office people who I spoke with and some of the evaluators, not quite concrete on what they think his future role could be. Um, I think it's going to depend a lot on how the Oakland staff comes together, if they have some holes that they need to fill in the bullpen. But he's somebody that you look at, and that's a picture of consistency. Um, being able to put up that type of control, seeing that he's able to put up the, the level of strikeouts as well. Good mix, confident mix, and he's got his health back, and that's really something to be excited about. Yeah, I think the expectation, it seems like from the outside, is this guy's a big league arm. Maybe it is as a reliever just because the health concerns, and as you mentioned, he's got some pitchers ahead of him. But um, at the end of the day, anytime you have this control, and again, it's not like he's a soft tosser who's just kind of nibbling at the plate. He's able to get up to 95. He has the put-away pitch with a changeup. It feels like as long as his health allows, he could start if the A's need him in that role. I would say that's accurate. And again, yeah, it, it goes back to how some scouts are still a little bit torn. Will it be in a relief role because of his health history? Or is, is it going to be in a rotation spot? I think realistically he's capable of both um you always are i think a little bit more hesitant if there are health concerns can that body hold out can that arm hold out i think in his case he would be fine doing either um he's probably not going to be a complete game guy he's not going to be someone who would go maybe as far as 
some other front-end guys, but there's definitely a ton of potential there, and scouts are really optimistic. So I think ultimately it's going to come down to what Oakland feels the need is and where they feel like he would be the most productive. There's a really interesting group of position players the A's have here. Austin Beck and Robert Poisson, two young guys with a lot of tools, but some question marks about how much it's actually going to play in games. Sheldon Noisy and Jorge Mateo, who have gotten up to higher levels, have a little more questions about the ultimate upside. And then on the lower end as well, Logan Davidson, their most recent first-round pick. How did you kind of assess this position player group? Because again, you could see them at four, you could see them at nine, a couple different ways you can go. How did you kind of suss them out? What was that process like? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the natural abilities that they've already put on. And then you look at a guy like Robert Fusan, who... Oakland really showed very quickly how much faith they have. They signed him for a sizable, sizable amount. I believe it was $5.1 million. And that tells you what they think about his projection, about his profile. And while he's still a little bit of a lottery ticket in a way because of his limited exposure, he's got really, really glowing reviews from international scouts. They put up some really impressive stuff about him. So I think it's going to come down to how well he adapts to stateside baseball at higher levels how he adjusts to the culture and if he's able to still maintain that athleticism that he's drawn so much praise for and then you look at a guy like Austin Beck who obviously has drawn a lot of excitement as far as a future outfield post with him I think he's going to have to show this year that he can really set himself ahead. I think there's a lot of athleticism there. There's a lot of natural feel for the position but some scouts are kind of like you know he he kind of showed it for me, but he seemed like he almost slowed up a little bit. And I think there's still more in there. So he just has to figure out how to tap into it and show that he can really kick it up a notch during the 2020 season. Yeah, Beck's one of the more interesting guys in this system. He was the sixth overall pick in the 2017 draft, came with a lot of hype. Uh, this past year, he was limited to 85 games due to a recurring quad strain. Really affected a lot of aspects of his game. And, you know, I saw him in Stockton, talked to a couple of evaluators and coaches with him, and everyone agrees the defense is pretty impressive. He's able to cover a lot of ground. He's a plus runner, long strides, good roots. No one doubts his ability to play center field. The biggest thing that was concerning was a couple of evaluators and coaches I spoke with, even coaches in the A system, talked about what was most concerning for them with Austin Beck was a lack of feel at the plate. They saw him chasing the same stuff over the course of the entire season, no adjustments. And one thing that came back was there's a lot of overswinging, missing pitches he could hit because he was trying to hit everything a mile. How much faith was there that he will eventually hit? Because people see the bat speed, he's got raw power, but so much of hitting his instincts and the ability to make adjustments. And it seems like there's very mixed reviews on whether or not he'll be able to do that. Yeah, I did get some mixed reviews on that. And I agree with you that evaluators were really sold on his defense. I think he's got so many natural tools there. But when it comes down to his hitting, there are some concerns. And I think the A's do have a little bit of time on their side. The fact that he will be 21 all of this year. So they've got a full year of him at 21 This is really, like I said earlier, it's really the year where he's got to show that stuff is starting to click mentally. Because you you really don't know with these guys if it's a mechanical thing or if it's a mental thing. And that's what's going to fall back on the development staff for Oakland where they can pinpoint it. Okay, Austin, where is this coming from? And then be able to really pull that away and say, look, this is how we're going to fix this. Because you've got the feel but we have to kind of fine-tune that and make that athleticism the most valuable that we can because there is an opportunity there, but he really has to learn to 
to kind of hone in on that pitch recognition, make sure he's pacing himself mentally, not rushing his body, and obviously not chasing that stuff because that is going to be an issue moving forward. Another player with similar tools, very different player, but similar situation is Jorge Mateo. He's one of the fastest runners in the minor leagues. He's always shown some really impressive athleticism. He looked like he had finally overcome some of his offensive shortcomings in the first half last year at AAA Las Vegas, but obviously with the AAA baseball and Oakland moving their AAA affiliate from Nashville to Vegas, which is hugely hitter-friendly, that certainly played a role there. He then suffered a massive second-half drop-off, and I remember talking to some coaches, including some with Las Vegas, they admitted they were very frustrated with him. They, They felt like he was not doing what was necessary to maintain his strong performance at the plate and there have been a lot of concerns about whether Jorge Mateo will ever really make the most of this amazing athleticism he has. I remember speaking to one person who said the best possible outcome is he hits 250 with 10 to 15 home runs and and that's on the high end. What were you hearing about him and ultimately what made him still the number eight prospect in this organization for you even with so many questions about his offense? Yeah, I think as far as his position in the rankings, it really does stem from all of that natural athleticism. I got to see him spend time um, with the Yankees before he made his way over to Oakland with the Sunny Gray trade, and there's so much there. And I actually had a scout who kind of laughed when he told me, he goes, I almost feel like I'm looking at a Mickey Mantle, who you have such an athletic profile, but he doesn't quite know or doesn't quite have the drive to see how much he's capable of. And I think sometimes when you have that much natural athleticism, you maybe get a little more lackadaisical where you feel like, you know what, I'm doing good so far. And he may really have to push himself to say, look, you're hitting that level in the system where guys are going to start to match up with you and guys might start to pass you if you don't put in that extra effort. And so in the case of Jorge, Still so much to work with, but he really has to figure out how he's going to set himself apart and show how much value he's capable of contributing. Mateo's going to be 25 this year, which in the grand scheme of things is still a young ball player. But, you know, it just stood out to me. Just It's very rare to have coaches within the organization voice the level of frustration about one of their own players. As I was hearing about Vegas coaches talk about Mateo, which I think tells you something. But the skills are there, the ability is there, and you certainly don't want to punt on it. No, it it really does. I agree with you on that because I've noticed with the organizations that I've been privileged to cover, most coaches are going to be very patient with these guys. They understand how long it takes to find your flow, how long it takes to really get your role established in the system. And if they are openly voicing frustration with the level of effort, that's saying something because you know they've put in the time and the investment to try and pull that out of him and if they're still not seeing it that's definitely something to keep an eye on Sheldon Noisy was Mateo's teammate at Las Vegas last year he got up to the majors and one thing that stood out to me is I went down to cover an A's uh, Angels series at the end of the year talk about how Lazardo and Puck and Murphy had made an impact on the A's down the stretch and were about to make the postseason roster and when I talked to some of the veterans on the team about those three Marcus Simeon, Liam Hendricks, a couple of the other guys, and I would drop those three names, they would say, and Noisy too. They all felt like Sheldon Noisy was someone who belonged in that kind of genre of guys who, yeah, he's come up and he's impressed us. And that stood out to me that a lot of the big league veterans viewed Noisy as someone who was playing every bit as big of a role as the guys who were you know, considered the guys. 
What did you kind of make of your uh, discussions with evaluators regarding Noisy? Uh, he kind of had the opposite season of Mateo. Really scuffled in the first half, made some adjustments in the second half, took off and earned his first big league call-up in August. Yeah, most evaluators were really optimistic about him. And a lot of what it stemmed back to in my discussions is that they appreciated how hard he was working to really establish himself. Um, like you said, he had that late push in the season believe he hit a career high in home runs if I remember correctly and the only red flag I guess if I had to pick one is that he is a very aggressive hitter Um, he's somebody who realizes the power that he's capable of and I think those types of profiles often have to kind of temper themselves a little bit to make sure that they're not swinging for the fences on every pitch knowing that they could hit a home run so for him I think it's just a matter of kind of getting more of a flow at the upper level, um, figuring out who he is at that level is really going to be valuable because once you move beyond the minor league circuit, you almost have to kind of rediscover yourself and say, okay, who am I at the major league level? Who am I going to be for Oakland? And there is a ton of potential there. I think that he's somebody who has progressed steadily enough. Um, and he, I think he's going to be a contributor for Oakland. And a lot of evaluators are they're very optimistic about it. And they, I think there's still a few pieces that have to come together before we see his full potential. But he's progressing really nicely, in my opinion. Logan Davidson, the A's first-round pick, and the son of former big leaguer Mark Davidson, took the number nine spot in the system. Felt like those top nine were fairly safe as going to be in the top ten. The number ten spot, a lot of names rotated through. Ultimately, Nick Allen took that tenth spot. How many different players were you considering for this final spot, and ultimately what put Allen over the top? Um, I think really the biggest selling point for Allen is his defense. I had so many people out of the Arizona Fall League talk about nobody plays shortstop like Nick Allen. Nobody has the moves like like Nick Allen at short. And I had the chance to see him in a couple of games, and I can definitely attest to the fact he is an absolute lock at shortstop. He's got a 70-grade defense from multiple evaluators. And the fact that he's got a little bit more of a compact frame, he's about 5'9", really helps him move well. Um, he's got good feet. He's got good quick hands. And I think a big part of it is that he trusts himself. He's very confident in the way that he moves, and he knows he knows what he's capable of. So if there's anything, I think he really just has to add some polish at the plate, um, make that pitch recognition a little tighter, because he honestly really has nothing left to prove on defense from what I've seen, and especially what evaluators have said about him as well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm always a little skeptical of the, oh, he could play shortstop in the majors right now, but I'm not sure about the bat. There's so many of those guys, and so many of them never get out of double A AA or triple A because at the end of the day, you have to hit to be a big leaguer, at least a big leaguer for any extended period of time. One of the biggest progressions with Allen last year was he really did improve as a hitter. Again, he's a smaller guy, 5'9", and that's a generous listing. Um, but he adjusted his approach a little bit to use the whole field and got stronger. He actually tied for the California League lead in doubles before he suffered a really serious uh, sprained ankle in late June that ended his season. He was driving balls into the gaps, and the thing to remember with that is he was playing in the North Division of the Cal League. That's not where the hitter-friendly parks are. He was mostly playing in fair parks, pitcher-friendly parks. Uh, He wasn't doing a lot of this damage in Lancaster or places with big gaps like Lake Elsinore. He was... He was doing it in some pitcher-friendly environments. And I thought, to me, that was one of the more impressive developments this season, that, hey, this isn't just a great defender who might not ever hit enough to be more than a call-up. He's starting to hit enough and impact the ball enough that there might be something here, maybe even a potential starter. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And I think a lot of it goes to show how players are evaluated in the parks that they play in and that it reminds all of us from our evaluation positions is that we do have to factor some of that in. What types of parks are they playing in? How is it really showcasing their abilities? And with Nick, getting to see what he did in the folly, I think it really established the fact that he looks healthy and that's a big thing moving into this season because to be effective still in the field he's got to have that ankle intact and then the rest of it is just going to have to come through his offensive projection which I think is still going to do some good stuff as the season moves forward. A couple of other guys were in the mix here Lazaro Armenteros their big Cuban signing a few years ago Austin Allen the catcher they acquired from the Padres uh, one of two players for Jerks and Profar. How many other guys were you considering here at this 10th spot? Um, I would say probably about two to three. I know you and I kind of bounced a couple of ideas around. And when it comes to the overall system, it, it to me, I think it really comes down to how quick are these guys progressing? Because like you mentioned before, there's multiple ones that you could look at. But how are they progressing? What type of contribution are they capable of? And I think with the case of Nick Allen, he brings such a fierce profile defensively that that's something to go off of. That's that's a selling tool right there. And it allows time for his hitting to sort of catch up in the process. And because of the other guys who are, you know, very close behind, they've just got to find a way to set themselves apart this year. Kind of like what we talked about with Austin Beck. So much potential but at the end of the day, you ultimately have to sell yourself as a step or two ahead of the next guy. And as you get up to the upper levels, that's really when it tightens. And you've really got to show that you have what it takes to be ahead of the rest of them. Absolutely. I do think there's a lot of reasons to feel bullish on this system. Again, we've talked about the top three. You have a guy like Sheldon Noisy who has done some good things and is major league ready. And with the athletes they have, whether it's Robert Poisson, Logan Davidson, Austin Beck, or even some of the guys just outside the top 10, you have some faith that at least one or two of them are going to pop and take that step forward, especially with the A's player development successes in recent years. Um, it, it does feel like this is a system. We ranked them 15th in our organization talent rankings, right smack dab in the middle. But this does feel like a team that has enough guys to make an impact and some guys who can really you know, make a jump. I look at the A's big picture, what's going on in the major league, what they have in their system. And I feel like there's reason to legitimately believe this is a team that isn't going to have one more playoff run and then run out of gas. I think this is a team that has the potential to have some staying power and put together a four, five, maybe even six-year run, provided they spend the money to keep some of these guys that they have in the major leagues. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think if, if I had to look at the organization moving forward, I think it's more of a consistently defensive organization with a lot of potential offensively but I think as far as hitting goes you look at guys like Buddy Reed who they picked up from the Padres absolute lights out defender in the field and with him a lot of potential at the plate Greg Dykeman another really solid outfielder ton of potential at the plate but is it all going to come together and falls back once again how is the development staff going to approach this? You've got so many different profiles, so many different tools, but really it comes down to how much can you pull out of them, how quickly, and how well are they going to be able to maintain that moving forward. And I think that will be one of the more interesting subplots of the A's minor league season next year, how many of these raw athletes are starting to take steps forward offensively. And the more that do, the even brighter the A's future will look. 
Emily, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate your insight and breaking down the A's and their farm system with us today. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitch, or whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Emily Walden, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.